Well, good morning. Good to see everybody today. Y'all like my new Love 804 shirt? Yeah. Hey, believe it or not, it can be yours. Uh, you'll hear probably about that a little bit later. Hey, uh, real excited to have a special guest with us today, Rabbi Paul Clausen. Would you stand up and wave so we can see you? Rabbi Paul is a close friend of this church family, and uh, it's it's actually his company, his ministry that Karen and I join uh, when we lead our trips to Israel. And he's here today because we have an informational meeting. If you're interested in going to Israel, it's end of next March, March of 2020, uh, that we'll be going on that next trip. If you're interested in that, wander up to the meeting. It's in the youth center right after this service, and uh, you'll get your You'll get all the information that you need, all all questions answered. Well, great to see y'all here this morning. Sure, glad you made your way out in this rain. Man, y'all are really committed. You love the Lord, don't you? Yes, all right. And uh, here today as we continue our trek through the Bible in 2019. Hey, you're still doing your reading, aren't you? Everybody's reading? Okay, yeah, that kind of sounds like we're mostly all on board. Hey, listen, you've heard me say this. Don't let a bad week or month uh, keep you from sticking to the plan and getting through the, the Bible this year. Now, we're, we're already five months into the year, and I know sometimes we get this idea that reading the Bible through in a year is something that can only happen if you start January 1st. So I want to point you to BiblePlan.org. Now, this site, like a lot of them, have a variety of reading plans. Read the Read the New Testament in six months, or the Old Testament in three months, or the whole Bible in a year. It'll have a variety of plans, but one thing I like about this site, you can actually go in and pick a starting date, and it'll build a calendar for you. So you don't have to figure out where you are in a calendar that started January 1. You could pick a calendar with a start date of May 6th, and then it'll populate your reading assignments all the way through the the rest of the calendar. So that might be a, a little little bit easier at this point if you didn't get started or maybe it's kind of like you didn't get started because you fell off so much but hey folks God promises he promises that when we read when we hear and we keep his word there's a great blessing in that and we want to go get that blessing as an entire church family. So we're encouraging you, the individual, to read through your Bible this year. And then we as a church family, when we arrive here, we have in our life groups and from the pulpit uh, a curriculum where we're going through the entire Bible in 42 weeks. And that brings us today, our curriculum, to one of the one of the greatest stories in the Bible, one of the most well-known stories, a favorite story, that epic battle between David and Goliath. Man, it would be awesome if I was going to preach on that today. I hope somebody in here remembers that I just did. Maybe not good planning on my part, but just this past August, I did a message on David and Goliath, and it doesn't, doesn't seem right. Just come back and be right on top of that again. But, you know, we had a lot of great response, actually, to that particular message. And if you are interested in, in hearing that, you can use our our, by our church app, or you can go to our website under resources and go to sermons. And I uh, want to point you to this information here. That was the sermon series, Ready to Suffer, 
And then the date, uh, if you want to listen to that message on David and Goliath, I really, really encourage it. It is a tremendous story. And here's the good news, that in that same group of passages that brings us David and Goliath, there's actually some other things there that are pretty significant and pretty important, like how not to miss answered prayer. Have you ever wondered, did I miss God's answer you know, did he give an answer and I not, and I not get it? You know, in 1998, uh, I began praying about, about becoming a senior pastor. I had, I was been at a church for seven years and, uh, kind of personally and financially, I mean, not financially, personally and ministerially and, uh, family wise in several different levels. I'd kind of reached some milestones and felt like it, you know, was ready to take that jump and, and move into that position. And so I, be, I began praying, hey, God, have you prepared that church for me and, and me for that church? And I prayed that for four years. That's, that's a long time to start saying, hey, God, do you have an answer for me? And here's the strange thing. As I went through that four years, I actually talked with a lot of churches. I mean, went very deep in the process. And, and every single time... I feel very confident that I'd heard God. I mean, you know, that that's a no, that's a not yet. Of course, when they say no, it makes it real easy to know God's answer, doesn't it? And, uh, you know, so on each individual, I would say, okay, that, that was God's answer. But, you know, as two years becomes three years, as become four years, you start to look back and you go, did I, did I miss it? You know, I mean, this was becoming kind of emotional for me, and I really wanted that answer, and, and I don't see it happening. Or, or maybe you start to wonder, God, do you have an answer for me? Have you ever wondered that? Do you, do you have an answer for me and, and for my request? And here's the good news, folks. He absolutely does. God always has an answer for your prayer. I'm not saying we always like the answer, but God always has an answer for your prayer. You know the crazy thing? The very first time on that prayer that I said, dear Lord, I didn't have to finish the sentence. God already knew the answer then. God knew when I prayed that for the first time in 1998, that, that November 16th, 2002, you'll be pastor at the Heights Baptist Church. He already had that answer. But you know, when I started to pray that, they already had a pastor here. And apparently God didn't see fit to kill him so I could come here and be pastor. You know, and so, but you know, my point in that is we can start praying something and a lot of times there's a timing because God's not just giving you an answer. He's giving you a right and a perfect answer. And it's not unusual for that to involve a timing. And guys, I believe that I, I, I trusted that, but boy, time wears us down sometimes, doesn't it? And it, and it starts making you think, oh, I've, I think I've missed it. Or we start getting a little anxious and we want to make something God's answer. You know, that, uh, pretty sure that's it. <laughs> and I start treating that like it's God's answer. Well, we're going to see Samuel go through all of these things. Too. Hey, listen, Samuel is a man of God. Samuel knows how to pray, believes in prayer, knows God has an answer. And would you believe he almost twice misses God's answer? So let, let's see what is happening there and what is going on. Turn with me today to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel, if you're 
kind of thumbing through your Bible there. It's about a quarter of the way through. Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and then 1 Samuel. If you get to 2 Samuel, Kings, Chronicles, you've gone, you've gone too far. 1 Samuel chapter 16, let me begin reading in verse 1. 1 Samuel 16, verse 1, reading out of the English Standard today. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Now, let me, let me stop right there just so we're, we're clear. First of all, just notice that word. Samuel was grieving. And that happens when we're praying, Right? Especially when the prayer starts to kind of go on and on and on. We start getting kind of emotional. We start getting kind of anxious. Hey, God, I need an answer. I I want an answer. Samuel already knew that Saul was no longer the man. Samuel already knew that God was going in another direction. And he he is trusting in God. He's grieving over the state of things. He's waiting for an answer. And what do we see in the rest of verse 1? God has an answer. And, and he's going to make it clear. He says, hey, listen, you go to, you go to Bethlehem. You're going to meet a man there named Jesse. And he's got a bunch of sons. And inside that group of sons, you're going to find your answer. God has an answer for you. Look at verse 2. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do and you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons, and he invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab. That's the first son, the oldest son. He looked on Eliab, and he thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Boy, there's a whole message there. There's a lot to understand just in verse 7, isn't there? Verse 8, then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Now he knows the answers in the group of sons, but now we're out of sons. And so then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? Now, let me stop reading for a second. I kind of want to paraphrase how this next piece goes. So Jesse looks over at his wife and says, don't we have another one? What's his name? Oh, David. He's the runt of the litter. You don't want him. He just takes care of sheep for us. I mean, thanks, dad. And so what does Samuel say? Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and he brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. 
Now, just before we go into what's just going on here, now we got two pieces of good news. First good news, God has an answer for you. If you don't leave with anything else today, know this. When you pray, God has an answer for you. Second piece of good news, he's not playing hide and seek with that answer. I think sometimes we treat God like that. You know, God, what's your will? God, what's your answer in this? And, and we've, we have turned his answer and his will into some kind of mystery. And there's got to be 14 things you have to do before you can get to the answer. And you got to hold your leg just right and your tongue just right and multiply it by the change in your pocket to come up with some mysterious... No, it's not a game. It's not hide and seek. God wants you to have his answer. And yet, even in the midst of that, we see Samuel almost miss that answer twice. Now, the first time, maybe that jumped out at you, maybe it didn't. Man, one reason we can miss God's answer, and by the way, when I say two, I'm not suggesting there's only two reasons that we can miss God's answer. I think there's more than that, but at least in our passage today, we see two things. One is fear. I'm not sure that I want God's answer. Pretty sure I just heard it. Pretty sure I'm going to say that's not it because I'm not sure I want that answer. Hey, you know what? Sometimes God's answers can be a little frightening. They, they can absolutely require courage. They can absolutely require faith. And they can absolutely be something we don't want to do. And you can be praying about a situation, a person, and find out that God's answer actually is, I want you to love your enemy. Love them and, and serve them. I don't want to do that. His answer actually is to forgive. His answer actually is to serve. His, his, his answer actually is to be committed. And so we hear some of these answers and I, you know what? It's just hard for me to imagine what I look like doing that. It's hard for me to imagine how that works out for me and plays out for me. And it, I hear that answer and I'm not comfortable with it. I, I, I don't like it. And it, it, you know, it makes me a little bit of afraid. You know, and so it's, it's not that I didn't hear God's answer, it's that I don't want it. I don't like how it makes me feel. Now, I'll be honest with you, I've, th- this is a passage that always kind of confuses me. Samuel saying that he's afraid. Because Samuel and Saul have a long relationship. And, and the books of First and Second Samuel show us a lot of that relationship. And Samuel is never afraid of Saul. As a matter of fact, it's quite the opposite. Saul is usually very intimidated by by Samuel. He's very respectful of Samuel. Even when Saul is doing the wrong thing, when Samuel walks in the room, Saul, Saul gets in line. He lines up. So it's kind of strange that all of a sudden Samuel's saying, oh, I'm, I'm afraid. Well, not, you know, there is one part of that that I understand, right? I, I, I mean, when somebody is running around in the kingdom looking for a new king. I mean, it doesn't matter what nation you're in. That, the existing king usually likes to kill those people, right? I mean, you know, you don't, not, not that make you real popular with the king to be running around saying, hey, we're getting a new king. Anybody want to be, be it? And so he's maybe just a little bit nervous and, and Saul is kind of actually losing his mind. And, and so he, he expresses that fear. But I still, when you look at, I mean, did you see what happened when Samuel walked into town? It said that everybody in town started trembling. Oh my gosh, Sam, Samuel's there. I mean, this dude has a little bit of an aura about him. He seems a little bit intimidating. I don't think that's what he's trying to do or means to do. But 
man, Samuel's powerful in the Lord. And he walks into a town and everybody's a little bit, a little bit nervous about that. So that's why I would say, Samuel, that's not even a legit fear. But it doesn't really matter, does it? I mean, hey, I bet in your life you've had some fears that are very legit. And you've had some that, that's, you're making that up. You're working on being afraid. You know, it doesn't matter whether my fear is legit or not legit. The fact is I'm feeling this emotion right now. I'm, I'm feeling this anxiety. So how do I conquer that? How do I conquer that fear? Folks, you beat fear with obedience. That's it. I don't have now the three points or, or some mystery. I mean, fear is such a big thing. And we think, man, there's surely got to be some really complex way. Nope, this is it. Obey. No, no, no. The obedience is what's causing me to be afraid. Obey. I mean, that's what happens in verse 3 and 4. He expresses, Samuel expresses this fear, and God says, okay, here's what you do. When you get to town, say you're doing this, go here, look for this, do that. And the next passage is, and Samuel obeyed. Samuel did what he was commanded to do. Folks, when you're afraid, you do what God said to do. It is the safest place in the universe to be, is in the center of obedience. To be in the center of God's will is the absolute safest place you can be. When you're obeying God, the consequences are in his hand at that point. There is literally nothing to be afraid of when you obey Well, (laughs) okay, maybe there's some truth in advertising here. When I say there's nothing to be afraid of, I'm kind of talking about an Apostle Paul mentality of nothing to be afraid of. Man, Paul was going to obey the Lord, whatever it costs. Hey, listen, when I'm obeying, when I'm serving the Lord, there's the joy of the Lord, there's the reward of the Lord, there's the presence of the Lord. It's all good when you're obeying. I mean, what are they going to do? Kill me? Well, then it just gets better. And then we go to heaven and it really becomes a party. Paul actually believed that. Man, if I'm living for Christ, that's awesome. And then somebody comes along and kills me and it just gets better. Now that sounds cool in church. But let's be honest. I don't even know what word to put. Would I say most? Would I say many? Would I say a, a lot of us absolutely do not have that confidence in heaven or faith in God. We don't. Not, I love the Lord. I mean, I'm, I, it's pouring down rain. I came to church today. Certainly get some kind of bonus points for that, right? Man, I love the Lord. I want to know the Lord. But the, the, the fact is, heaven doesn't have that hold on us. God doesn't have that hold on us. What I really value is in this world. What I really value and what I really hope in is, is in what I need today, what I want today. And folks, if your hope is in this world and the stuff and the people of this world, you've got a lot to be afraid of because you can lose anything by tomorrow morning. Some of us have been around long enough to see that and watch it, right? You, abs- you don't have one relationship You don't have one possession. You don't have one position that you could not lose by tomorrow morning. And you stop and think about that. There's a lot to be afraid of. But man, if heaven is, heaven's the prize, not not what I experience in this world, not what I get in this world, it's heaven, then all of a sudden you can start arriving at a place like Paul. I, I, I got nothing to lose. I got nothing to lose, so let's obey the Lord. Hey, listen, when I disobey the Lord, I now have the consequences of disobedience. 
I still have fear hanging out there. And, and I still don't have an answer. The way you beat fear is with obedience. In every single situation, big, small, whatever it is, obey. That's where peace is. That's where safety is. That's where the answer is. So second thing, second reason we can, we can miss God's answer. And this, boy, when you've been waiting, when you've been looking, it's been building up. A second reason is we just jump. We just try to make something God's answer. And, and boy, folks, it's easy to do that because, let's be honest, when we pray, we all have an idea of what the answer to prayer should be, right? A good hearty yes there would be the answer. Yeah, you don't pray for anything and think, I just don't have a clue what God's doing here. I don't care what God's doing. Just let me know the answer, Lord. No, you absolutely have an answer in mind. As a matter of fact, folks, most of the time in our prayers, we're not actually asking a question, are we? We already know what we want. We're just asking God to bless it. We're asking him to come make it happen. I'm not really seeking what God wants. I'm seeking God's blessing on what I want. Folks, we want what God wants, I promise you. And so again, we know, back to verse 1, Samuel's a little anxious about this. He's got some emotion involved in it. It's been a, it's been a little bit of time. And, and so he knows he's in the right city. He knows he's in the right family. And here comes the parade of sons. And he sees the first son. Now, you know, Eliab's not described for us, but, but, but Eliab's an old, he's the oldest son. That means a lot in Judaism, doesn't it, Rabbi? First son is a, that's a big deal. You're automatically, if you're a Jew, you're going to, you're going to focus on that first son. And he's a soldier. He's already in the army. He's a warrior-like looking dude, right? I mean, the guy probably commands a presence. His other brothers kind of respect him. And so he walks into the room and, and Samuel does what is very natural. He just jumps. I mean, it's got to be God's answer. And God jumps up and says, whoa, 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 Samuel, slow your roll. Stay in your lane. That's not my answer. That's not my answer. Hey, you know what you're doing? You're looking on the outside. You're, you're, you're just going by what you see, by, by what you feel. But, but I look at something entirely different. I look at the heart. Man, there's a whole other message there. I'm not even giving any due credit to, to all that's in verse 7. Have you, have you ever thought, probably a lot of us haven't, but I bet some of us have. Have you ever looked at somebody and thought, boy, if they became a believer, that'd be great for the, for the church, wouldn't it? I think sometimes we think this when we hear maybe something about a celebrity or, or an athlete. I mean, we just can't help it. Boy, they, you know, they're going to bring a lot of money to the table. Boy, they've got a lot of influence, a lot of power, a lot of fame. Or maybe they've got some skill or ability. And it's just hard not to think, boy, when they join the team. And God says, you know, they actually bring nothing to the table I need. My, my purpose is not enriched. My, my purpose doesn't now have greater odds because they're on the team. When God's looking at you and me, he's not looking for what we're bringing to the table. What he's looking at is the heart. Because when God has a heart, then all of what God brings to the table can pour through that person. God's power can pour. God's resources can pour. But man, if he doesn't have their heart, it doesn't matter what they have. 
And nothing's coming through that. And so you you have this parade of sons. First we see Eliab and, and, and then it just keeps moving down through the sons. And I don't know what David looks like. And I mean, hey, he's going to beat Goliath. He's going to go on to be like the greatest king ever, a real warrior. But apparently at this point, he's kind of unimpressive looking. His own dad forgets him. I mean, thanks, dad. You know, he didn't even, I mean... Samuel, we've already seen what everybody thinks of Samuel in the whole town. And, and, and Samuel says, man, get your sons together. For Dad doesn't even invite them. He doesn't even say, well, get Daniel out from the barn. Bring him in here. He doesn't even think of them. And, and, but God says, no, I've got his heart. I've got his heart. You know, God said to Samuel, he said, go to this town. Look for this man, and I will tell you which one. Now, when he picks Eliab, God hadn't spoken. God hadn't said, this is the answer. But God had told him, you listen for my voice. I will tell you the one. Folks, we want what God wants. And the reason you want what God wants is because what God wants leads a David to beat a Goliath. And that's exactly what we need in our lives. We want God's voice. You know, my guess is, my guess is a lot of us in here would say, I do, Pastor. I, I, I do want I do want God's voice. I'm waiting for you to tell me how to hear it. I'm, I'm waiting for you to tell me how not to miss it. Folks, it, re- it really does start with wanting God's voice voice. You know, I kind of look at this story and what's happening here as an illustration of, I think, a pretty well-known verse, and I think one of the verses that is just the most clear on how we get God's answer, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. A lot of us are going to be very quick to say, I do, I do, I do. Most of the time, we don't. Most, in, we're, most of the time, we're trusting the Lord with a, maybe a significant portion of our heart, but we're trusting in ourselves, we're trusting in things around us, we're very quick to jump to other things that we think can make the answer happen. It starts with, trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Well, that's just what we saw here with Samuel. Man, you and I go into a situation, we go into a problem, and I've already got ideas about what this should look like. I've already got thoughts and opinions on what a good answer would be. And that doesn't make you a bad person. Samuel's not a bad person. We all got thoughts and opinions. And I've got to make sure I'm not depending on those. I've got to make sure, no, I want one answer. I don't want my thoughts and ideas. I don't want what I see. I want God's voice. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Are we doing that? How how do you acknowledge Him? Is this a complex thing? You know, it starts with my voice. God, I acknowledge you're God. I acknowledge you've got an answer. You've got a will here. I acknowledge that you have spoken. I acknowledge that you've given me a way to hear your voice, to know your voice, to know your answers. You know, the time and the tension and the devotion I give to God's word, does that not say something about how much I'm acknowledging or not acknowledging? 
What does it mean when it says acknowledge Him in all your ways? In my voice, in my time and attention, God, I want your way. I want to be in this book so that I tune my ear to what you sound like. So that I focus my eyes on what your answers look like. You know, it's hard to believe. But you and I hold in our hand today more than Samuel had. We hold in our hand today more than David had. We hold in our hand right here more than Paul had when it comes to knowing and understanding all of God's will and his answers for our life. Trust, trust God's voice. Want God's voice. Let your activity show God that you're trusting him, that you're acknowledging him. And he'll make the path straight. You know, we don't ask for directions anymore, do we? We just Google Maps. <laughs> Remember, somebody might be old enough. Remember when we used to have to ask for directions? And say, there's two roads and turn right. And then you'll make an immediate left. And then it'll kind of go. After about two turns, you're lost, right? You go, yeah, I got I to gotta, I gotta write this down. Didn't you love it when you asked how to get somewhere and somebody said, go straight. In about half a mile, you'll run right into it. That I can remember. Just, just go straight and I'll run right into it. Do you know that's what God just promised in Proverbs 3, 5? When he says, I'll make the path straight. He's saying, you want this answer? You want to know my will? Go straight and you'll run right into it. Yes, Lord, that's exactly what I needed. I don't have to write anything down. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on yourself. That big, that's a big one right there. Do not lean on yourself. You know, folks, a lot of times when we open God's word, we're looking at some really positive attribute about somebody or some negative attribute, and then we try to take a lesson out of that. Do, do you understand? I've, I have said all morning long, Samuel almost missed God's answer twice. And so, you know, we're looking, well, what was, was Samuel not praying? Did Samuel not have faith? Did Samuel not want God's answer? Folks, it's none of that. Samuel's not an example of how to do something wrong. Samuel's a great man of faith. He wants only God's answer. What we see in Samuel, even when you love God and you trust God and you want God's answer, what we just saw in Samuel is how hard it is to not be steered by my own voice. Does that make sense? There's, there's no voice I love more. There's no voice I trust more. There's no voice I'm more in contact with than my own voice. Samuel isn't showing us some sin or mistake he made. He's showing us how natural it is for every one of us to take our voice and make it God's. You understand now how that story really illustrates Proverbs 3, 5? Man, I have to, I have to work. I have to work to acknowledge. I've got to be mindful that I... I do lean on my under, own understanding. I do lean on my own way. And, and we can do that and say, oh, I trust the Lord. Oh, I'm praying. Oh, I want God's answer. And, and we're not. We're not. We're, we're letting something else guide us. We're jumping at the first thing that looks like what we want. You want God's voice. Amen. Folks, there's a, there's a reason that every single week... This is what we hold out. There's a reason. God has spoken. 
He has spoken right to your life. He has an answer for you. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you save us. And and God, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for all that is there for us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that helps us to understand and, and to apply what we learn in your word. Oh, Lord, I would pray for each of us this week ahead. It would be so clear that we're acknowledging you. That we would absolutely acknowledge you with the attention, the devotion, the commitment, and the love we give to your voice in your word. God, thank you for a promise. The path can be made straight. (laughs) You won't miss it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.